Welcome back, everybody. It's CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition. We are back. I am your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I am here, as always, with Nicholas Ian Allen, the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge. Follow him on the Twitter at CFB Winning Edge and Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E, on the Twitter machine, on threads, too. Threads. I believe now. On threads. Right? Yeah. He's on, on threads. threads. We didn't even yeah. talk about it. Yes, I, I am on threads. <laughs> All yeah, right. I signed up today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See if you winning edges there. And then Nicholas Ian Allen also there. So I'm yep. Yep. Yeah. So in case Twitter goes down, in case Elon ruins it, we're all on the backup place now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, look, we've been away for a while and I've gotten some DMs. I've gotten some texts. Uh, where are you doing college football stuff now? Where Where's the if you winning edge? So I will let you guys know this was all Nick's fault. It wasn't me and Javier at all. <laughs> Uh, we were ready to record. Nick said no. I'm just kidding. Uh, but but no, yeah, that's look. that's pretty close. I mean, that's actually. accurate. But I'm, not, I'm trying not to be a jerk. Uh, you're not. You're not like <laughs> mad about it. But, no, no. I'm but not. it's definitely yeah, true. Just letting you guys know, we've been away uh, because Nick's been working on stuff, uh, particularly the team profiles. There's some stuff in the background that we will be able to announce at the uh, end of this month. So, you know. Maybe moving plans. Just uh, you know, uh, pay attention. Pay attention to us on Twitter and Threads and wherever else social media is. Uh, you'll be able to find out that news soon enough. But Nick, I mean, the team profiles took a little longer than anticipated. So you got them up. We're good to go. They've been available uh, on our Patreon since uh, what the middle of June, somewhere around there. So, um, you know, everything's good to go. So tell us about. Uh, the team profiles in the sheets. Yeah. And, and I've, I think alluded to it a little bit when we were recording regularly, uh, you know, weeks and, and months ago, sort of at getting into the process um, that it was, things have just been moving slow this year. This year has been weird for a variety of reasons. Uh, and uh, unfortunately um, it just got to the point where to do you know, the sort of shows that we really want to do um, kind of the, the prep time that goes into it, especially uh, preview time. It just, it, it wasn't working to be able to make the kind of progress I needed to do to catch up on those team profiles because we did completely start from scratch I actually started last season, like uh, in the middle of last season and thought, you know, had everything planned out, thought that, that it was going to work in sort of a similar way uh, in, in previous years, but just with a couple of added features as we often like to do. And it just took, I mean, literally three times longer. It seemed like every step took three times longer than, than anticipated. So uh, unfortunately, and, and, you know, I apologize to you guys. I apologize <laughs> to our listeners. Um that the podcast really just took the the brunt of, um, you know, needed to, to find a way to, to cut something to save a little time and, and put it into finishing those profiles up. And unfortunately just, you know, made the decision to uh, take a, take a bit of a hiatus from, from our previews. And we are getting back to those. Um, we are working on a, a schedule and you alluded to some of the, uh, changes. And, and so, you know, there definitely are some things in the works that uh, we're going to get back to normal in some ways, but also in, in, you know, some pretty big differences in, in ways too. But right now, yeah, our, our Patreon supporters uh, do have access to our brand new 2023 uh, team profiles. They do include team pages for all 133 FBS teams. That's two more than we had last year. Um, there is some new information in there. Uh, there are hopefully some additional pages that uh, you know put some important information all together in one place for all the teams in one place. Um, we've included actual depth chart projections. Um, we've they've, they've always been part of the sheets, but maybe if you were just looking at it for the first time or or uh, you know not as familiar with uh, the team profiles as, as uh, I am or, or some of our long-term listeners, you might not have realized that it was actually set up 
in some ways like a depth chart, but now it it's it should be clear. Um, full depth chart projections. We are working on finalizing a page, uh, you know, one tab that is all teams depth chart, depth chart projections, projected starters and projected two deep, both offense and defense, all in the same place. Uh, so I'm excited about that. We added on three industry ratings. I actually, um, I've gotten to the point where I think on three might be inching ahead a little bit of two, four, seven sports on some things. Um, but we do still, of course, include our two, four, seven, uh, or not ours there two, four, seven, uh, composite numbers do include the rivals numbers because we have different, you know, Patreon supporters that prefer different things. So we try sure. to only give, uh, the, you know, those three that, that, uh, all do a really, really good job, do a, you know, service for us and, and college football, uh, as a whole, the industry as a whole. Um, but we actually revamped our, uh, rating system a little bit. Uh, I think we talked about it briefly before we took off the, uh, 100 maximum rating. So now we have some players that are, you know, 110, 112. <laughs> I mean, I did, uh, sort of an adjustment, uh, for, uh, I think Will Anderson from last year was the highest I've seen. Uh, it was up to like a 151. That's maybe a little, you know, probably gonna have to tweak some things a little bit there, but wanted to, um, show sort of the the differences on the extreme ends make make our uh best teams uh, you know really show their team strength to the full uh ability sometimes our top rated teams we struggle a little bit because we have them you know as underdogs a little too often i think this is going to help us with that uh, as an example um we included the high school recruiting class years uh, so you can just look and, you know, real quickly, oh, he was, you know, the 2020 class because uh, what they call, you know, what a team might call a player on the roster may or may not line up with what we call them. And it can be tricky to try to figure out uh, the actual eligibility and whether or not you know, what we have is correct. We tried, you know, the, the very best of our ability to, to get those things correct. But, uh, you know, now you'll be able to look and see, OK, yeah, he was the 2021 class and and kind of count back uh, and kind of quickly, uh, hopefully calculate, you know, those sorts of things. Uh, we included snap percentages. So the percent of that team's uh, total snaps, you know, how, what did that player play? The snaps per game, because, you know, a thousand snaps in the Western Kentucky offense isn't exactly the same as uh, a thousand snaps in, in somebody else's. Um, th those percentages could be, you know, I have it ingrained in my head because there were so many. Uh, so I spent so much time on the Colorado page. They had 747 <laughs> offensive snaps. I'm oh never going to forget that. God, uh, that's last it? year. Yeah, and then you know, Western Kentucky, one of the faster 1,200 offenses. Yeah, I mean, it's it's well over a thousand and played more games, and, and obviously, um, so thought it you know made sense. And to my knowledge, uh, that information isn't out there anymore. Um, so wanted to, you know, instead of just a raw snap count that you can get, uh, other places and, and certainly don't want to diminish, um, what those folks do, the hard work they do, but take it another you know step farther and be able to show, okay, yeah, this player played 78% of his team snaps. Um, you know, that, that I think tells you something a little bit different, maybe, um, also snaps per game, um, because sometimes, a player gets hurt early in the season and then, you know, maybe comes back for the last game or two and you look at his overall snap count number and it looks, you know, decent, but doesn't make him look like a, a major contributor. But then you look and Oh, actually he played 67 snaps per game. So this guy was a starter when he was in there. He just was hurt for a little bit. So I think that's, you know, a helpful piece of information that to my knowledge isn't anywhere else. Um, forever. We included wide receivers and tight ends in the same, uh, position group, um, and they were calculated as, you know, a, a unit together. We split those finally. I think that's helpful to, to show, um, you know, a little bit of a, a difference there. I think that's going to help us. We're including projected production points because sometimes, especially early in the season, um, when there's a, you know, an offense where we know this quarterback's going to produce, even if it's a first time starter, you know, we, we know that that maybe we're underrating uh, a particular player or, or you know a particular offense 
Um, so we're including some projected production points, which we're going to continue to to work on as we you know move into our our uh, stat projections portion of the the off season calendar. And then you know obviously we've gotten started later because everything has taken so long, um, but we you are going to start to see some FCS team pages pop up. Um, starting with the teams that are playing in week zero, because, you know, fewer games that week and uh, people might have an interest. Those games are going to be on uh, national TV or, or fairly easily, uh, reasonably accessible. Um, and then from there, we'll, we'll move on to a combination of the best teams and then the teams that play FBS opponents in week one and, and week two, and then kind of move on from there. So um, probably not going to get all teams done by the start of the season. <laughs> uh, I can say that's, we probably guarantee that actually, but, um, but we are going to continue to work on those, going to continue to uh, try to provide some things that, you know, maybe don't exist elsewhere and, and uh, try to do it to the best of our ability as well. So um, hopefully, you know, everything that you might like about the team profiles is, is still in place. Uh, hopefully there's some new things that will be helpful. Um, and then, you know, uh, hopefully we'll just continue to uh, sharpen things and, and be more thorough. And even though this year took a little longer, you know, uh, certainly hope it, it pays off. Uh, and so far, you know, I've heard uh, some positive feedback. So uh, very excited about that. Thankful for our Patreon supporters and, and uh, thankful for our listeners. And of course, for you guys for uh, dealing with my, you know, okay, let's schedule this. Oh, actually let's move this to this day. Oh no, actually I can't do it. Let's cancel. Uh, oh, actually we need to go on hiatus. So uh, I, I appreciate everybody's patience. Uh, of course, man. All look, throughout. <laughs> uh, look, you know, uh, that's a lot of work that you did. It just took you six minutes to explain what you did. You know, well, so and doing I do it, have to say, I've, yeah. I've tweeted this out a little bit. I, I certainly have had some help and usually have uh, some freelancers that that provide some help. Um, have had actually some Patreon supporters who uh, have reached out uh, even more actually than than I uh, actually enlisted to do things. But um, uh, some folks were were able to help. Were able to provide a second pair of eyes along the way. Um, there are specifically uh, some some friends that we know from the the CFF industry and and campus to Canton specifically uh, the CFF team there several members chipped in and, and helped out with some projects so um, it certainly wasn't just me but um, it's it's uh, finally done or at least you know it's always a work in progress but it's finally it's updated it's finally somewhat respectable <laughs> <laughs> it's it's nick good is what is what we'll call it like it's nick done it, it is good enough to where nick feels comfortable but he's never going to feel all the way comfortable with it right like i right. think i think that's where we're getting so i'm not uh, i'm not completely embarrassed to show another person because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's well, where we were for hey, look. i mean <laughs> for a I'm a while. gentleman, so I'm not going to even say the jokes that are coming into my head. Xavier, we haven't even heard from you yet. Xavier, how have you been? What's been going on in your your world? And uh, are you ready to talk some college football today? I'm always ready to talk college football. You guys know what it is. Um, being a dad, man, you know, my dad life doesn't stop uh, just because college football is on an off season. Uh, air quote. Um, but yeah, she's seven months now. She is teething, so... Well, that's nights fun. nights are long days are short <laughs> you know the, the you know the, the things that come with having a seven month old uh but yeah I'm, I'm like i'm so excited you know I'm, I'm excited to be back i think it was a good break i'll be perfectly honest with you i i enjoyed having a little bit of a break there uh now i can be even more fiery towards tennessee like <laughs> now, now, now they, they messed up they are getting no more fatigue from me at all i'm ready to be as you know, outlandish about every team in college football as I possibly can be, whilst also being fair and partially impartial. Uh, you know, just, just 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 doing what I'm supposed to do, doing my job as, as being that guy on this podcast. I, now that I'm well rested and ready to go, as they, long they, as your opinions are are uh, well fair and researched. balanced. No, no, I don't care about that necessarily, but <laughs> well researched and. Uh, 
data driven is certainly a plus. <laughs> no. Say whatever you want. <laughs> no, I don't want data driven. I want attitude driven. Let's go. Uh, yeah. Uh, Xavier is here to be the hater. So some, some, some would call me the Ed Orgeron of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> also, I don't know if this has been clear. Sorry to interrupt. A huge Joe Milton guy here, by the way. Oh, yeah, I know, and I cannot wait to poke every hole possible. I can't wait for those sixty-yard bombs to squirrel to the wide. opposite team. Dante Thornton. Not. They're yeah, too I fast. His arm is too strong. They're going to score eighty a game. The only team that's going to score more is USC. Four and four. We'll ah, get there. Look at that. I mean, we <laughs> haven't even started with topics yet, and we've already got these guys fighting about it. It's been too long. Yeah. It's been too long yeah. since we've been in a room together uh, <laughs> and uh, re ready to rock and roll here. So, well, let's start out with this, Nick. Which team came out on top in, in the rankings after everything has been set and done and is, we'll call it 99% done? Who ended up being the number one team? Because we kind of, before we were going back and forth, it looked like it was Georgia and then it was Ohio State. And then I know Michigan was in play and Alabama's always wow. up there. So, who ended up at number one? Right. Well, you hit on our top four teams. Our top four teams okay, are like that. Uh, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Alabama, as you mentioned. Not necessarily in that order, though. Uh, we have a, a virtual tie um, at the top. Ohio State is, is our number one as it stands right now. There's certainly uh, still plenty of time for... Because we do make individual updates based on depth chart projections, injuries, all that good stuff. Um, and we're going to be continuing to do uh, some of those production projections, as, as I mentioned. So things could change. But as it stands right now, Ohio State is just a, a, by a very, very slim margin, uh, our number one team ahead of Georgia. Um, Ohio State would be like a quarter of a point favorite on a neutral. <laughs> so they are they are dead even basically. Um, Michigan is number three, and there's a there's a little bit of a gap there. Um, Michigan would be about a three point underdog on a neutral field against both of those teams, uh, and and Alabama is in a, a pretty similar uh, boat. Those two are are about a quarter of a point um, apart. So. Uh, those, those are our top four. Clemson is number five to, to round out that top five. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because when I was first, we were first, you know, turning the actual calendar over to January and I was trying to get, you know, my, my head into 2023 mode based on what I expected, how the, the rosters would shake out a little bit. I really thought Michigan was going to be the team to beat um at the top of our power rankings and and it was close i mean they they certainly filled some holes in the the transfer portal um but just sort of the the raw recruiting strength that georgia and ohio state have amassed over the last you know several years um the gap was just a little too much for michigan who just hasn't quite you know doesn't have that elite elite talent uh in in raw terms in those you know average Two four seven or on three ratings. Um, Alabama does have that, but they are, um, you know, really at, at sort of a different level as far as uh, returning production um, and yeah. the quarterback position is is a little bit of a uh, question mark. They're going to be fine. I think Alabama is going to be uh, a very very difficult team to beat. They're going to have some of the intangibles that we can't put a number on based on maybe some motivational factors. Uh, on on how last year uh, went for them, but um, but yeah, they're 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 not quite uh, not really used to seeing Alabama at at four. Uh, but with that raw talent, wouldn't shock me at all if you know at the end of the year they've they've played their way into one of those top spots. Javier, your thoughts on Ohio State being number one and uh, the the rest of the, the top five? How, how would in your mind before diving deep? How do you think you would rank those those top five teams? Yeah, I think just basing just basing it off of you know some of their return production, especially when I think about Ohio State, 
obviously quarterback is a concern for me. Um, I, you know, once again, these teams are so talented that, you know, they might, he might hit the, hit the ground running and, you know, blow the doors off of everybody's expectations. But for me, as of right now, I'm still a little bit weary of how that quarterback is going to, the quarterback is going to look coming into this year. Um, you know, for me, I think the other part that Georgia has the same issue. Uh, so for me, Michigan probably would be closer to the number one team in the country, just based off of what they have returning, understanding, you know, they have the most important fo- position in football coming back after having a pretty good year um, and only expecting him to go, you know, I'm only expecting his trajectory to continue upwards. Um, so they would probably be, you know, at least if not one, maybe two. Um, I, I think, when you look at those three teams in particular, they're so tight. It's so close. Um, and so for me, I just – I don't know if I could separate those two or, or those three, excuse me. Um, as far as the rest of – and it, as far as Georgia is concerned, I understand they might have, the you know, a better defense this year than they did last year. And, you know, their defense is going to be, in my opinion, you know, especially their secondary in particular, should be pretty darn good. Uh, might be the best secondary Kirby has ever had. To be perfectly honest with you, as far as from a talent base, uh, he might have the most talented secondary he's had between Kamari Lasseter, Malachi Starks, and company. Uh, but once again, is it going to be Carson Beck? And if it is, you know, does he hit the ground running? He kind of has to in some respects. Uh, the schedule is not necessary. You know, he, he's got some time to get his, you know, his feet under him, but it's the SEC and understanding that, you know, last year this is a team that could have very well gotten beaten by, you know, Missouri. You got to be ready to go. I mean, we play South Carolina the third week of the season. They're going to be trying to catch us off guard. They had a pretty, you know, consistent end of their season. They're going to be a team that has a lot of momentum coming into this year. And Spencer Rattler has somehow, some way, already become uh, the talk of the town in the SEC. I don't know how. Uh, but he continues to stay in the mouths of, of pundits who think that this is another year where he can turn it around. So I guess we'll see. Uh, similarly for Ohio State, they played Notre Dame within the first four games of the season. Got to hit the ground running. Um, otherwise, you might find yourself in a, in a very tough situation against Notre Dame team that I expect to be pretty darn good this year, um, you know, in, in their head coach's second season. So, like I said, I think all these teams have glaring holes outside of really at the most important position outside of Michigan. So that's why I would probably have them higher up on the list. Uh, but that's just me, I guess, being, you know, an older idea football guy. And, you know, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, these five-star quarterbacks could hit the ground running and we may not see any fall, any drop off, but just understanding, you know, a 19 year old playing in the horseshoe sold out crowd against Notre Dame. Well, that game's on the road, actually, in Big Ben, you know, that that could just, you know, that can rattle anybody. Right. So, you know, not everybody's going to be DJ Uyunglele, go up to go up to Notre Dame, you know, in his first, you know, really major start and look like he did. Right. And we saw how the rest of his career went. So it's not foolproof by any means. So, yeah, I'd probably have Michigan closer to one. But other than that, I'm, I have no real problems with the list. Well, when we're looking, I'm looking at uh, DK Sportsbook and odds to win the national championship. It is Georgia as the leader by a wide margin. And they're still plus. They're plus 215, so 2.15 to 1 for the Bulldogs. Go ahead. Most of our listeners know this, especially if they've been around uh, for a bit. But um, these are power ratings. So they are who would win against two on a neutral field doesn't take into account uh, strength of schedule. It is not a uh, projected order of finish. Um, right. And, and yeah, so, so if we were actually to like simulate the entire season based on our projections, we probably would come up with a little bit different order as far as who had the best chance to, to right, win. Right. So just in case that wasn't clear for anybody who might be with us for the first time or, or might not have heard us say that before, but. Yeah, I think most projection systems, it's, you know, uh, you, you cannot, you, you can't predict the future. You know what I mean? So, uh, so run, running them out and saying, you know, these odds, the, the, the point here is, is that Ohio State is actually third on this, um, plus 650, Michigan plus 850, Alabama is second at plus 600. But I mean, Ohio State, Bama, and Michigan are all closer to each other than they are to Georgia. And then you, you start to get the long odds after those top four, Georgia, Bama, Ohio state, Michigan, Clemson is um, there. They would actually be 10th on the list here. Uh, Florida state, LSU and USC are all higher, uh, you know, better odds than them. Uh, Plus 1100 for LSU plus 1600 for USC plus 1800 for Florida state and 1800 
for Clemson. And then you get into Texas at plus 2,200. Mm-hmm. Penn State at plus 2,500. So we're really dreaming uh, <laughs> at, at that point there. But um, Nick, I got to well, ask you, have you made any offseason bets yet? Any win totals or any uh, natty bets? So uh, no, I have I have not personally. Um, uh, part of that's just because I haven't. I haven't allowed myself really even <laughs> time to to think about actual football. I know that probably sounds dumb since I spend uh, all day every day uh, working on on college football stuff, but it's more like uh, I don't want to say going through the motions that has a negative connotation, but um, but it is just sort of like the process. You know, I got to yeah. do this thing. I got to do that thing. I gotta do, you know, and not really thinking about the the forest for the trees or, or whatever yeah uh, whatever term you want to use and so you know this now finally there's still plenty to do but i can can take a breath a little bit and actually go through the sheets myself the the numbers and see how they compare and, and actually think about it um uh, a, a little bit now for the first time yeah, I I understand. Did I miss that. a question? No, no, you didn't miss the question. I just asked if you my brain my back. brain still is a little. Uh, it's okay. Fuzzy. It's, it's okay. getting better. Is it? Yeah. yeah, we're bringing you back. We're bringing you back to 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 normalcy here, exactly. Nick. You, you're you're out of the grind uh, of uh, putting in the information and waiting for the results to come out. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it, that that stuff is tiring, man. I, and I do sheet work a lot too. Uh, but I my favorite tweet that you sent out was the one today where it said yeah sure maybe you're getting capped on twitter but nothing's worse than this and it was the sheet was so big what was it can you tell me what it was oh again? man it's it happens to me it happens so much today so you and probably know the exact saying and some uh, days i'm not and some days i just i work in a different sheet because our team profiles are so huge that they uh they do this thing they freeze up and it it like kicks you offline sort of only on that particular sheet but it says this sheet is too large i don't know i can find the right the, the exact thing but basically it's you've got you, you got, got no more sheet. room you use so, you, yeah right you and, used and, up too much room on this sheet you can't do anything else yes yes and i know <laughs> that, that you know i have had a, a couple of folks reach out to me and say like "Ooh, these sheets are a little slow compared to last I mean, year and I just, I I opened mine. I had had, I had opened mine on my phone uh, earlier and it came right up, but I tried to open it on my computer and it took a second for it to open it. And I have a newer, faster computer. So uh, I was like, Ooh, this is good. Part of the, part of the tease we've done, part of the changes we're eventually, hopefully that will be alleviated. Right, uh, right. This document is too large to be edited offline. Go online to resume editing. And so I have to like click the Wi-Fi off and on and off. And, you know, try to, oof. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's frustrating. Yeah, but. look, I, I've done a lot of sheet work and I've got, uh, you know, a bunch of Google Sheets and all that stuff open and I've never seen that message. So, um, Xavier, what in the off season, what right now is interesting you more than anything else uh, for college football. Is it some of these win totals that we have coming out? Is it some of these preseason predictions from prognosticators and all that good <laughs> stuff? Or uh, is there something else going on that is really grabbing your attention right now in the CFP world? I love preseason prognostications because there's nothing better than bookmarking them and being able to come back and laugh mm-hmm. later. Wait, uh, are you the cold takes expose exposed guy? Is that you? <laughs> no, nah, no, I wish. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I, I am not. However, I will absolutely expose you if you make a take that's just completely outlandish. Um, trust me. There's a lot of people who got text messages after Stetson's first and second national championship game. Uh, just, to, mm-hmm. just, to put it, just to put it lightly, right? Um, most of them actually Georgia fans, but um no, I love preseason prognostications. I think they're great, not only for the, the trolling aspect of them, but I think it gives you kind of an idea of how college football media is going to act come the season. Perfect example, Nick brought up Joe Milton before the podcast, uh, you know, during the podcast. I think he's a guy that this year not they the are going time. they are going to push. And it gives you a better idea who could be a, a Heisman dark horse, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and if they have the opportunity to, like I, like I said earlier, Joe Milton, Spencer Rattler. If either one of them have like ridiculous starts to the year, wouldn't be surprised if their Heisman odds went up. Um, just because 
a lot of being part of the Heisman race is playing well, but also you have to have the media to get back behind you. If not, you're not going to get there. Uh, no matter how good you're playing, you need that media attention. So I think it's important to figure out who the media is kind of gravitating to, to before the season starts. That helps you out once the season gets here on making certain bets. Uh, the other thing too that I love right now is all of every all of you know the fan bases on Twitter. You know, uh, talking to you know talking threads. Getting, you know, getting really hot and heavy over over the season starting. But the thing that I think is funnier to me is the idea is people getting really angry and really upset at, at other fan bases for flipping commits right now when they can't even sign yet. Uh, you know, there, there's nothing that makes me laugh more than a kid getting than, than you know, a 40 year old man getting pissed off at, at a 17 year old committing from a year from now to you know, a rival team. Can you believe he picked that school right. over my alma mater? Right. And he's got a whole year to either, you know, sign with that school. He could flip again. And by or the way, could... even if he goes to your school and then he doesn't play, he's going to transfer. It's too exactly. open now. Exactly. So, you know, why why even bother getting mad at that stuff? Right. That's my at, at this point, just be prepared for when they hit the transfer portal, if they do ever do. Like, I just, I, I think it's hilarious because I, I follow a ton of guys. I follow recruiting pretty heavily. And that's always kind of been my, like, grow up. Like, you have kids and you're getting angry at a kid for making a life decision that he wants to choose. Like, come on, guys. Get over yourselves. Like, you're, you're like yeah, all right. So th- those are the things I like right now. The other thing is where, and this is just a side note because I work in social media, is social media people having to grasp at straws on keeping college football retention. So they ask questions like, who had the best career out of these four quarterbacks? Tebow, Baker Mayfield, Burrow, and Cam Newton. And just they do this every day because they've got no other material to go to. Yeah, I I mean that that stuff also gets clicks. It, it may not e- it, it may not even be they don't have stuff to go to. It may just be this is what the this is what the higher ups want because this gets eyes on it. You know, uh, like yeah. like how every free agent is going to the Cowboys and the Jets. So, <laughs> uh, you know, in, in the NFL and on yeah. that level, uh, let's look at some Heisman odds, gentlemen. Uh, I mean, we know who number one is, and it's number one with a bullet. It's Caleb Williams is plus 600. That is the best odds to win the Heisman. And you're still getting six to one because the odds on favor barely ever wins the Heisman. But I would have to say that Caleb Williams is the odds on favorite. Is any other bet silly, Nick? Or is it, um, look, most of the time the odds on favor doesn't win. That's why you're getting six to one. So it's not bad to sprinkle these bets around if you don't want to put a bunch of money on if I'm putting a bunch of money on one, it's Caleb because you're still Joe Milton. Yeah, yeah. Six to one. Yeah, yeah. Uh I did not even see Joe Milton. How far down is Joe Milton? Uh 25 no, to one. I'd do bad. Yeah. 25 to one. You're right. Yeah. You're not it's throw for six thousand yards. Jesus. Oh <laughs> Whoa, I don't even know where to go after you say that. But, <laughs> oh. uh, we, um, we take a break, and I've just been living in my yeah, head my takes. Yeah, I, I'm finally doing fan I'm finally you developing takes. Just So anyway, it is Caleb Williams at plus six hundred. <laughs> uh, we're doubling up Jaden Daniels plus twelve hundred with Quinn Ewers, Jordan Travis, all at plus twelve hundred. So they are the three immediately behind Caleb. Uh, Clay, uh, Cade Klubinick is at plus fourteen. Drake May. Is at plus 15. So is Michael Penix. Bo Nix comes in at plus 16. So is Sam Hartman. Uh, plus 1800 for JJ McCarthy. Uh, plus 2000 for Carson Beck. Plus 2200 for Marvin Harrison, who was the first non QB on the list. Blake Corum, the first running back on this list at plus 2800. But Joe Milton is in there. So is Kyle McCord, Drew Aller, Travion Henderson, uh, Dylan Gabriel, are, uh, and Brock Vandegriff are all plus 3,500. Uh, that rounds out kind of your best odds for the Heisman. Xavier, who is left off the list that makes you mad? Who is getting too good of odds to win the Heisman out of that group? Oh, I think Quinn Ewers is a little bit too high for me. Oh, uh, I, what what is this? What are we doing today? Is this just Gaslight Show? Is that what this is? Is that what we're doing? Uh, come on, Scott. It's been a while. Come on. <laughs> What are we doing? We can't fight each other here. We're, we just got back. Anyway, uh, yeah. Oh, Anybody I, else, Xavier, besides Quinn Ewers being too high? I mean, 
I could be a I could be a butt and say Bo Nix. Like I just don't like the kid. But Oregon's a good team, and and he absolutely could be like top five Heisman race come like week seven. I wouldn't be surprised at all in the slightest. Um, I think the hype around Drew Aller is a little bit too early. Like the kids got to show me some, and to have the same level of odds as you know um, as a Joe Milton and just be right behind Marvin Harrison Jr. Same with I mean Joe Milton has to show me some too, but. I understand the hype around Aller, but man, has a Penn State quarterback ever been a Heisman? Has been in the Heisman race the last decade? So he's, I mean, he's got some work to do for me uh, in that regard. And I understand the hype that comes with him. It's still, it's still a little crazy. The one that makes it really weird is Brock Vandergriff at 3,500. Like, hey, buddy, you might not start a game. Like, I just, yeah. like, and to have him over like all the Bama quarterbacks, I know there's, three all with plus 6,000, but to have them all him have uh, be above all of them is just kind of crazy to me. Um, and the thing I think lastly on this list, and this is, I mean, I would love for him to win the Heisman, but the way, but him winning the Heisman would be the absolute longest shot of all time. And that's Brock Bowers being at 6,500. Come on guys. I understand. Look, he's a university. Look, he, he's a unicorn. He might be George Kittle Jr. I've seen the, the hyperbole thrown around Twitter for the last six months. I get it. The kid's great. But have we ever had a tight end even in the conversation in our lifetimes? It's been I can't a remember tight end. <laughs> the, oh. So the first thing that comes to mind, and this is uh, maybe prior to your lifetime, uh, Orlando Pace was what third or something like that. His, yeah, his I remember last that. Year. Um, a tackle, not a not a tight end. But um, yeah, no, I. A, a tight end it's been since you know uh, i'm looking maybe I, pre-war I, the, the, the <laughs> last the last winner at tight end was leon hart in 1949 we all remember Post-war. him okay. or, of course yeah, right around it was right after <laughs> yeah. right after so yeah i just it's fun to think of and hey if you want to throw a dollar on it go ahead ken but, mcafee of notre dame was third in 1977, Ted Qualick of Penn State was fourth in 1968. That is since uh, it, I found an article written in 2015, and I, I can't think of any tight end that was in that range since 2015. <laughs> so uh, not that Surprising. close even. So, yeah. Tight end was somewhat uh, downgraded offensively in the, those those uh, in the last couple of decades, coming back. A little bit now, obviously, but but it had been uh, a while before uh, before Devonte Smith won at wide receiver before right. Charles Woodson. Well, and overwhelmingly, I mean, yeah, everybody knows a quarterback. You know, it's it's last year. I was pretty interested in Will Anderson. I thought maybe people were going to talk themselves into let's do a non quarterback after Devonte Smith and after uh, he had really gained a lot of media buzz in the final few weeks of the season. I thought that would kind of carry over, but uh, obviously the numbers just weren't there, but um, there's, I'm sure folks out there and and I've tweeted about him because it was super, super helpful uh, this year specifically, but has been somebody I've I've talked with uh, off and on over the past few years, but the tailgate tent uh, does just some, incredible work, uh, but team previews, gambling specific stuff. But the, the thing that is, you know, first and foremost, um, Heisman just has an incredible track record for uh, Heisman selection, uh, betting the Heisman in, in the uh, preseason months. Um, Joe Burrow, I think he had like 500 to one or something on Joe Burrow. Um, and then last year, you know, was all over Caleb Williams and, and, uh, does some just really, really in-depth study on betting the Heisman. And, and it's just, you know, the, the numbers for a non-quarterback is really, really difficult. You have to do something. I mean, a Devonte Smith season, which was one of them, but <laughs> The, the greatest individual performances we've ever seen. Um, you have to do something truly historic. It seems like to, to really uh, break through. So. Uh, I mean, look, and also Xavier, you got to remember they put some of these names on here just because people will waste their money on them. 
right? So you put Brock Bauer's name up there. A couple Georgia fans throw some money on it. And, and Brock Vandergriff, former five-star. He's got to be good, right? Yeah, he has to be. That's how five-stars work. They're, yeah. They all work out. They've never missed. Never so, even heard of Carson Beck. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, look, Quinchon Junkins is probably the best running back in the nation now that Bijan is in the NFL. And well, he or Nick plus, Singleton, right? And they're, yeah, they're both, both those guys, same odds, plus 5,000. Yeah, so, um, you know, though I think those guys are more likely to win than, oh, you know, a backup QB. Yeah. But it's such a QB award that they have to put those guys at the lower odds, even though the odds are still high, the lower odds so people will bet on them. Right. I will say real, real quick. Is there anybody way low on this list? Cause everybody loves the longest shot, right? Is there a, a Joe Burrow type? Oh yeah. Here. Yeah. And who would, mm. who would you say it is? Trevor Van Dyke. Wow. Him, Van Dyke. Yeah. Oh, huh. it, it, either him or DJ Uyungle for sure. Like, 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 let's be honest with ourselves. Could Oregon state find its way undefeated midway through the PAC 12 year? I think Oregon State's going to be really good. Right. Like, I think I think he has that Oregon State redemption story type quality where if he goes up there and plays like the five-star he was coming out of high school, you know, obviously he's also got, the, which is a massive quality in this, he's got the running ability quality that you kind of need on top of that when you're going to be a long shot, right? You need somebody who can use their legs and kind of have some of those flash plays on top of using their arm. Um, and on top of that, he's got a couple of games early in the year where if they win, it's going to start making some noise. Uh, they have to go to Wazoo. He wins that game. Then very next week, they've got Utah coming to them. Pac-12, back-to-back Pac-12 champion. If they're able to handle business at home, he has a big game. Could put them in a position where they're in a showdown in a couple of weeks against UCLA. Once again, also at home. I don't see why not. It, I don't. I would not be surprised if Oregon State finds themselves with an opportunity to be six and zero or seven and zero going into that UCLA game, having an opportunity to really play for the Pac-12. You know, at that at that point, you know, in the season, and DJ having a lot of conversation about what he's been able to do um, to to take that Oregon State offense to the next level, quote unquote. It. Oregon State specifically, uh, we have them right now projected for a little over seven and a half wins just because there's a lot of toss-ups. Um, but if if those games go their way and they do a pretty good job of finding a way to win, um, if, if they are somehow able to uh, get through Utah and UCLA, that trip to Washington State um, – if if they somehow find their way, you know, ten and zero, they've got Washington and Oregon in the final two. So mm-hmm. that's some pretty a chance to be two pretty high profile, uh, high profile games there. So right. that that could be interesting. I'm not sure they're going to win enough, and I'm not sure right. he's going to have the numbers. Uh, but I like. I like where your head's at. I yeah, you you know, you guys know me. I could talk myself into anything, uh, but I could definitely, <laughs> I I could see uh, I could see a path for uh, for DJ Uyunglele and and the underdog redemption story type thing is is uh, definitely a nice uh, touch potentially. I think if I'm picking one, I can't go that far down. I think uh, DJ is at plus nine thousand. Um, I give me Donovan Edwards, the running back from Michigan, mm. uh, because if anything, if anything happened, we saw him, you know, he, he plays so well. He's so explosive. He's such a good running back and he has such a good running back in front of him in Blake Corum that, you know, Blake Corum was hurt at the end of this season. That's why he didn't end up going pro in my opinion. So if he does get hurt again, if he just ends up being kind of an injury prone back and Donovan gets more carries than we'd expect, we know that Harbaugh likes to run 43 different running backs a game uh, for the most part. But these guys are so talented that they've been such a good one to punch. I think I would put, I, I, you know, if you're not going, not quarterback, I think Edwards Junkins, you know, that those guys, the, those running backs, those high end RBs are, are the ones that I put some money on. Travion Henderson is higher than both those guys. Uh, but yeah, they just don't get the love because they're not QBs and usually QBs win this award. Yeah. So uh, anything else we want to hit before we uh, take off, Nick? Is, is there any other things that have been burning a hole in you that you want to talk about college football-wise? 
Uh, well, I mean, are there are there a couple of other things, maybe just a, a random question or two to finish that I might be able to use uh, how about, our, how our about, new team profiles to answer? Who would be, if you're putting a money on a defensive player to win the Heisman? Ooh, I like this one. Who is your number one defensive player on the list here? Oh, that's got to be easy, right? Uh, on this particular list, is there... Yeah, there there's only one. one. <laughs> oh, it's Harold Perkins, right? Yep, Harold Perkins, Perkins Jr. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which to me, they're moving him off the edge. That's, you know, he's not going to probably get the yeah. sack total. Sack numbers. Back. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure they'll move him around and third down. He'll get sacks. Probably, yeah. probably put some, you know, give him a, give him a chance uh, out there. But um, could, could definitely be a Will Anderson situation where he's obviously the best player in college football, but maybe not quite. Uh, able to get there. I wish we had, I know somewhere out there has got just a, uh, like a sickos list, just super, super uh, <laughs> deep. Um, but a I don't know. Is, is, a, is a crazy way to describe that. <laughs> um, so one, one thing that's kind of interesting to me, and I haven't even looked at these yet, but uh, we do have a handful of week zero games out there. Maybe I can just do a quick, rundown of uh some of our maybe if you if, if you get a chance i'll get the sheets ready pull up the week zero Schedule. lines okay and i'll just do a quick you know we'll do a couple of them and see where our three different projection models which we've got all three up and running again uh our our prism model projected scoring margin model uh has been updated for the year which i'm excited about um, the talent edge model, I think is, is still a useful piece of information. It's track record, not as good. Uh, but then of course our, our team strength model, we had a excellent, excellent year last year on, on projections. And, and, uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take a look and see if some of these, maybe, uh, we see a little bit of value on. Sure. You tell me the game and, and I have the lines up. We're talking about, uh, August, uh, 26, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So the first one. Uh, we've got Navy and Notre Dame in Dublin. That's the first game of the year. Navy, uh, uh, or excuse me, Notre Dame by 20. The total is 49. Okay, so I'm actually kind of glad that, that Navy is the first team. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm worried that we might just want to ignore Navy this year. <laughs> because the way we calculate things, we've talked about this a ton in the past, it's really, really difficult. Uh, with um, the military academies to, to yeah. get a good talent number. And they do play a little bit of a different you know, style, uh, especially on offense, which does help to, to shrink some of those talent gaps. Um, Navy is moving away from its traditional triple option a little bit. I, I haven't gotten a, a lot of clarification on yet, uh, exactly what Navy's offense is going to look like yet, but Army, it sounds like, is making a big change. Navy, it sounds like, is making uh, a bit of a change as well. Um, so, as always, we're very, very low on Navy's talent numbers. Um, so, we're pretty heavy on Notre Dame. 37 and a half is our projection. So, that's going to be uh, a, a big, big gap. Probably uh, not quite true because there's some you know, extra things other than just sort of what our numbers can calculate the trip to Dublin first game of the year, new offense, new head coach at Navy, all that good stuff. Um, but our prism number kind of interesting. You said the line's 20. Yes. 20. Uh, we have Notre Dame uh, as a 20.01 favorite, <laughs> uh, according to the prism projection. Are you writing the lines? Uh, is, is that what it is? I, mean, I think I it's, I kind of, I've, I really liked it last year. I'm liking the early numbers uh, on Prism this year. So curious to see how they how they line up uh, with some of these others as well. What's the next game? Uh, let's see. Jacksonville State and UTEP. That actually does have a line. It is Jacksonville State by two. A 51 and a half is the over here. Yeah, give me that. New FBS team, Jacksonville right. State. Uh, so brand new team profile for us. Those are always a pain to get together. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to do it 130 times with all the other FCS teams. So uh, Jacksonville State, we currently have favored by four and a half in our uh, 
primary projection model or team strength projections. Uh, we have these teams basically dead even on our talent edge projections. Uh, and we have Jacksonville State favored by four in those prism uh, projections. Uh, the Ohio State at, at San Diego State game would be San Diego State by four. The total is 49. San Diego State staying in the Mountain West after all of that going to the Pac-12. Uh, or are they going to get kicked out anyway? Uh, yeah yeah who knows well, where they're going now but, uh, yeah they've been in the news recently but they are favored by four points over ohio and the line is 49 there and we're pretty high on ohio uh this year by the way second best in our mac power rankings uh but we have san diego state as about a little less than two and a half point favorite in the team strength numbers um the teams are very close in both talent edge and prism San Diego State favored by both, but by less than a point in both. Uh, UMass versus New Mexico State, matchup of the century here. Uh, New Mexico State by nine is the line, and 44 is the total. So uh, UMass, we kind of have the opposite problem that we have with Navy. Our numbers, I feel really, really good about where they are for about 128 teams. There are about five teams that I <laughs> kind of a little yeah, iffy. Uh, and UMass, as usual, we've been too high on UMass for basically our whole history. Uh, and that even though they're 131st right now in our power rankings, um, we're still probably a little, uh, give them maybe a little too much credit for the, the roster talent. Um, so we've got New Mexico State favored by six and a half. Uh, we're not like crazy high on UMass, but we're probably going to be a little higher than the market, uh, at least for a while, unless they prove that they are just, again, one of the very worst teams in college football. But we expect a little bit of a, you know, more talented roster. Um, they're up into the you know mid one teens in roster strength um, after being 130th plus for, for quite a while. Um, so pretty even uh, roster numbers. New Mexico State, about a half point talent edge. Uh, but the PRISM model um, does have New Mexico State favored by double digits. So that one, I, I kind of like that one a little better. Xavier, I want you to guess these next two. I'll tell you who's favored, but you, you guess the line here. All right, cool. Uh, Vandy is favored over Hawaii. We had this is the third year in a row we've had this game. We I know we had this game last year. Yeah. Usually second, it's at least home, and home. Yeah. yeah. But but uh what do you think the line on Vandy at home against Hawaii is week 0? Vandy minus 6 more. Way more. Really? Actually. Way more. Wow. Way more. Mm. Let's go. Let's go Vandy minus 17. It's uh Vandy minus 18 and a okay. half. Wow. And the line is 56. The over-under is 56. Gotcha. Wow. So we, we are low on Hawaii. They're 132nd in our power rankings. Uh, the talent numbers are just really, really low. Um, and, you know, Vandy, I guess we're, we're not super high on. I mean, I think they're an improved team. Um, but, you know, they're, they're still – a uh, pretty big gap in, in a lot of our numbers between uh, Vandy and the rest of the SEC, but uh, not a huge, huge gap according to our projections uh, with Hawaii. We've got them double digit favorites in the, the team strength numbers, but just by about 10 and a half. Um, the prism numbers is a little bit more, a little closer to two touchdowns, talent edge a little bit uh, more than the, the team strength numbers, 11, 11 and a quarter. Um, but all three, uh, maybe a little too, uh, you know, think, think that Hawaii is probably going to be able to hang a little more than, than maybe they will be able to. Cause I mean, Vandy went to Hawaii and, and, uh, Hawaii dismantled improved them. over the course of the year. But yeah, <laughs> that, that first game, uh, was, was ugly. Exactly. Uh, how about this one, Xavier? USC favored at home against uh, San Jose State. The total is 63. USC by 15 and a half. Double it. <laughs> really? 31. 
31 even is is the line there. So uh, USC favor by 31, Nick. Uh, what do you got on that one? We couldn't quite get to 31, but I do feel <laughs> no, no, I do shocking. feel pretty good um, that a team like USC, who we are on the high end, and and this is in part because we lifted that cap on you know the best players. Uh, Caleb Williams is now up to a 110, almost 111 in our oh Lord. Yeah. Uh, DGR, <laughs> our, our, our individual player ratings. Um, and at a certain point, I, I don't include projected uh, production, like guys who are already in the 90s mm-hmm. for the most part. I'm like, eh, okay, we'll just sort of, we'll just sort of let it ride. Um, so even though I'm sure Caleb Williams, I mean, mentioned he's a Heisman favorite, right? Uh, he might be 130, 135 by the end of the year. Um, in which case, we're going to be uh, big on USC a lot this year. But in week one, we're only at 27 and a half. But I feel like in years past, that might have been, we might have been at like 21, maybe. So I, I do, I do like that we're close, even though that, yeah, that is a, a big, a big spread. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a big one, but I like it too. And I don't know. The other two I, projections are right around there: twenty-four and a half and twenty-five. So. Yeah, yeah. I I'll say this uh, in terms of that line is that if USC wants Caleb Williams to win the Heisman, there might be some stat padding uh, at the end of the game. You know what I mean? So um, you know m- maybe that makes it a little bit more uh, than what you'd reg- regularly give it. The last one that I have a line for on week game of the week. Louisiana Tech hosting FIU. Xavier, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. can he even hazard? It's, it's Tech is favored at home against yeah. FIU. is one of the worst teams in, in college football. Um, the ratings. Yeah. 128th in our ratings. Yeah. yeah. We're not much higher on Louisiana, Louisiana Tech. Is it, anywhere, <laughs> yeah. is it anywhere close to USC's? No. Okay, so I'm, no. so I'm going to go over my answer for USC again. I'm going to say minus 13 and a half. It's 10. It's a uh, lot tech by 10. Okay. Uh, so what, what do we have on that one, Nick? Uh, we are at uh, seven and a half, roughly. Okay. Okay. Seven and a half. So we're, we're on yeah. underdogs in week zero. That's not unusual for us. Um, but uh, I don't, I don't feel other than the Navy one where we know that something's a little <laughs> difficult for us there. Uh, I don't feel terrible about where we stand at this second, but we'll have some more, uh, some adjustments. I'm sure these will, these will change a little bit over the next, uh, few weeks as we learn a little bit more and fall camp and, and, uh, things like that and get those projection numbers, uh, folded in. They won't change them. They won't change things a ton, but they'll, they'll, you know, tweak a little bit here and there. All right. We are out of time for the show today. So we're going to take off, but, uh, look, pay attention. Remember to follow us on the Twitter at Bogman Sports at CFB Winning Edge at Xavier underscore Trish T R I C H E to uh, to see what is going on with this show. And uh, you know, we will have we will have shows. Uh, we will have previews soon. coming up. We We're going to change directions yeah. a little bit from from where we started. Apologies for that, uh, but uh, we don't know. We gotta we gotta get together off line to, to hammer out exactly when we're going to record those but they are coming yeah yeah i'm on vacation and then uh nick's on vacation immediately after we come back so uh of course it throws it's, my, it's all it's all my fault it's, it's been it's, my fault uh, well part of that's my fault uh but uh you know we don't take vacations so we're gonna take them uh but that is it for us we appreciate you guys sticking with us and coming back after our hiatus and we got a lot in store in the future for you. So stick with us and we will see you guys very soon. Take it easy, everybody. (laughs) 